13, Matthew chapter 13 tonight. And uh, I, I have a feeling, I don't know, I think we'll be done early tonight. Um, so if you have kids in Awana, you'll have to hang around, wait for them. Um, but if you don't, then you're good to go. So, um, so talk fast, right? <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, a couple weeks ago, not last week, because uh, Lawrence actually preached last week because I had just gotten back from that trip. But um, two weeks ago, I started answering the question, and I thought I would be—I I honestly thought I'd be able to, to do it all two weeks ago, but I wasn't. So <clears throat> this is the second half of it. Um, but I, I, I started with a, the question: How do you interpret the parables of Christ? And and the reason for that is because on Sunday mornings we're going through the parables of Christ. And then on Sunday nights, we've been, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. Well, what is a lot of the Sermon on the Mount? Parables. So I, I just thought it would be really kind of good if we just kind of stepped back a little bit and had a, a Bible study. I guess this is more of a Bible study than it is actual preaching tonight, as it was two weeks ago. But this is un- trying to understand the parables of Christ, how to interpret the parables of Christ. So we're going to um, start by reading Matthew chapter 13 and, and, and uh, in verse 10. It says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why speakest thou um, uh, unto them in parables? So even the disciples were saying, Hey, look, why, why, why are you using parables? And, and then later on they even, they even asked, Okay, we don't understand what you just said, so interpret it for us. Um, So there is a purpose and a reason for parables. So again, tonight we're hopefully going to finish this up. Um, But he goes on in verse 11, and it says, "And, And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So if you stop right there, what he's saying is, he's saying is, for you, it is to understand the mystery of heaven. So in other words, I'm going to take great spiritual truths and I'm going to bring them down so that everybody can understand them. But that's not what he says. He keeps going. From him, uh, 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 let's see, I... I just lost myself. Uh, but unto them, it is it is not given. So what he's saying here is this: for believers, it is a way for me to 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 impart spiritual truth. But for unbelievers, they're going to be absolutely perplexed. They're not going to get it. So it's a way for me to take things that are really beyond your understanding, bring it down to where you are but everybody else is going to be still in the dark. So that is the purpose of the parables. Uh, Let's continue reading verse 12. Uh, For whosoever hath, uh, hath to him it shall be given, and he shall have more more abundance. But whosoever hath not uh, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I unto them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. So 
Jesus is very clearly laying out the reason why he uses parables, okay? So now it's up to us as believers to understand how to interpret those parables. Because if we don't interpret them properly, we're going to get some really bad doctrine. And we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. R.C. Sproul uh, wrote this. Uh, Jesus explained that for those who have ears to hear, the parables provide a deeper understanding of Jesus' teaching. But for those who don't have ears to hear, uh, the parable is actually an instrument of concealment. The parable was not given simply to make everything clear to people. It was also given to obscure meaning to those on the outside who are not given understanding. That sounds somewhat harsh. Jesus came not only to instruct and to help people understand the kingdom of God, he came also to ju- uh, as, a, as a judgment on those who don't want to hear the truth. So, <clears throat> so how then do we interpret, <clears throat> excuse me, I have 10 points. And last two weeks ago, I gave you six points. So we're, we're going to go through the first six very quickly. Uh, just for, in case you weren't here, uh, we're just going to go through them very, very quickly. And then we'll end, we'll end up with the last four. Uh, and we'll talk in more detail. So uh, number one is understand the nature of the parable. Understanding the nature of the parable. <clears throat> I don't know why my nose is running all of a sudden. <clears throat> mm. Uh, An example of that is this. Uh, Jesus paints a beautiful picture of what love your neighbor is in the parable of the Good Samaritan. We talked about that this morning, okay? So what is the nature of the parable, okay? Uh, In in Luke chapter 10, uh, which we read this morning, is a good picture of defining who is your neighbor, Okay. Uh, understanding number two is understanding the purpose of the parable. Uh, Jesus uh, taught with parables, uh, uh, taught with parables uh, for two main purposes. The first one is to explain truth to those who believe, and then the second one is to hide or conceal from those that do not believe. So, what is the purpose of the parable? We already talked about that. Number three. Uh, see the parable in its proper context. And I cannot overemphasize this one enough. It, it is absolutely in, emphatic that you get the context right. Because if you don't get the context right, <clears throat> then you're going to be all messed up. Uh, in Luke chapter 18, he says this, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. So, Without reading the parable, we know what the context of that parable is, is what? Prayer, or, or more specifically, what? Consistent or, or, or um, persistent prayer is, is the word I had. Uh, persistent prayer. Someone who doesn't stop praying. Okay, so, it, I mean, 
uh, oftentimes Jesus tells right out of the gate what the purpose of the parable is. Uh, so, the, so, or not the purpose, but the context. So, <clears throat> number four. And this, again, this is another one that's really, really super important, is the parable, uh, or, or excuse me, remember uh, the, the culture gap. Remember the culture gap. Uh, <clears throat> we cannot interpret Scripture based on 21st century America. We can't do it. We have to, we have to go back and look at the culture then. Because who was Jesus talking to? Was he talking to 21st century Americans? No. He was talking to 1st century Jews. More specifically, what kind of Jews? Don't you remember the movie we watched? Galilean. Gal oh, okay. I, I, okay. Okay, Galilean Jews. Okay. So, <clears throat> so, so, not only was he talking to Jews, but he was talking to Galilean Jews, which even is even more specific or particular. Okay, so you have to filter everything through that filter, not 21st century America. A good example of that is Matthew 25, which that movie we watched uh, dealt with, and that is the parable of the ten virgins. Um, well, it, it didn't deal with the parable, but it talked about the the the, the marriage and all the all that. <clears throat> now, those of you that are familiar with that parable, what happens in that parable? Just, just, just I mean, don't. Yeah, there you go. Some are ready and some are not, and 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 that's the that's the gist of it. Um, so, <clears throat> understand the culture. In our culture today, that doesn't mean anything. But in that culture, it was a huge gaffe if you weren't ready. Okay, so you got to understand the culture. <clears throat> oh, it's yeah, absolutely. Everything is still applicable. It's just understanding the, the culture is really important. And then number five uh, we talked about is know that parables usually have one main point. Okay, example this morning. I had one main point or one main thing that the parable was meant for, but there were several takeaways that we could we could walk away with, right? Hello? Okay. <laughs> wow, I thought I just failed that whole sermon this morning just then. Um, so oftentimes what we need to do is identify the main point, understand that main point, and then that, that helps us understand what Jesus is trying to communicate. Um, some questions you could ask yourself with this, and this is how this is one of the exercises I do. How many of you were English major kind of weirdo people? Okay, <laughs> okay. What are what are the what are five or six friends of English? Uh, who, what, who, what, when, where, why, and how? Okay, those are six friends. Those are the six friends. Okay, you can ask these same six questions to the main point. Who is the main character of the story? Okay, this morning in the, the parable we talked about this morning, who was the main character? Okay, I, I would say the Samaritan. Okay, but okay, so 
if you if if you for whatever reason think oh no the main character was the priest are you are you going to get a skewed understanding of that parable absolutely you will so you need to identify the main character uh, what occurs in the story okay get a, get an overall understanding of the story uh, <clears throat> so th- those are just some of the, the who what when where how questions you can ask uh, and then and then number six we talked about last week or two weeks ago um, take notice of surprise details and the example I gave you uh, was in uh, Matthew chapter 18 verses uh, 23 to 35 we're not going to read it for time's sake but it is the parable of the unforgiving servant. So in a nutshell, what happens in that story? Somebody tell me, quickly. He borrows money, and somebody borrows money from him, and, he, and the man can't pay it back, and so the man has him beaten and thrown in, thrown in prison. And by the same token, he borrows money and can't do it, and he's forgiven. And the, his fellow servants turn him in, and everything goes south. <clears throat> but then it got way worse. Because when the rich guy found out that he didn't forgive the guy who owed him just a few pennies, what did he do? He, he had him he, tortured. Okay? See, this is, this is the surprise detail in the story. Okay? And then if you go, somebody, uh, let, let, let's go ahead. We're in Matthew. Go ahead and turn to Matthew 18 and verse 35. Because this is a sobering a sobering thing that Jesus says at the end. And, and this is, this is the, the surprise detail that, that we talked about two weeks ago. In verse 34, Matthew chapter 18, verse 34, it says, And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to, be, uh, to, the, to the tormentors till he should pay how much? All. Okay? There was no more grace involved. That was due him. Verse 35. This is where the twist comes. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. You see the twist? See, that that is, that is a major... I, you know, I don't know about you, and I said this... Uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, but the first time I read that, I went, "Whoa! That, that that's a that's a strong statement." So if we don't forgive our brothers, our brethren, then what is God going to do to us? Same thing. It ain't going to be pretty. Good Southern lingo for you, babe. <clears throat> okay, so that's where we left off. Two weeks ago. So, number seven. This is new. Number seven. (laughs) And this, again, is an important one. Know that not every minor detail has significant meaning. Okay? Because parables are stories. They sometimes need supporting information to get the point across. Not every minor detail has significance. An example: uh, 
is the parable of the ten virgins. Okay, we talked about it a minute ago. Um, uh, five were ready and will, willing to go, and five were asleep, and their their lamps were not trimmed. I think that's the term, right? Okay, or you know, so five were ready and five were not. So does that mean? that we can conclude that 50% of people alive today are wise and 50% are foolish. No, you can't you can't you can't make that conclusion. Okay? That that's 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 ludicrous. The fact that, the fact that there were 10 virgins total and five were wise and five were foolish is an insignificant detail that is there to help the, the progression of the story. Okay, so you can't you can't read parables and and read into parables and say, oh well, there's there's got to be some significance to you now there were five here and five there and 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 people literally develop cults based on stuff like that. Okay, <laughs> you can't you can't do that. Um, when when we read scripture, we need to always understand. That, well, let, let me ask you a question. Who did God write scripture for? Everybody. Okay? He did not write it for scholars, He wrote it for everybody. And there's, there, there is not hidden things that. Now, now, are there are there nuggets that we can get out of Scripture? Absolutely. But there's there's uh, I'm trying to think of. Um, there you go. It's not of a, a private interpretation. I can sit down, even though I've I've studied Greek and I've been to college and I know all this stuff. You can sit down and get more out of verses than I can sometimes. Just because of your walk with the Lord. If if I'm not doing well and I'm not right up there, you know what? I, I struggle with my walk sometimes. You know why? You're human. I'm human. I have good days and bad days. I'm not like Brian. <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But but seriously. There, there is nothing. If God wants you to know something, you're going to know it. And, and if all we had were Greek and Hebrew languages, we would know what God wants us to know. I'm convinced of that. So there's not hidden secrets or agendas in Scripture. Yes. So, <clears throat> number eight, and this this one I really like this one because I had never, um, what? Well, I have, I have, I have said that, you know. Um, but I, as I was studying for this, I came across this, and it and it really it was like, wow, I, I had never thought about this. And then number eight is stock imagery in the parables, and. <clears throat> stock imagery 
is a term coined by a guy named Robert Palmer. I have no idea who this guy is. I am not endorsing him at all. But he coined the phrase stock imagery in reference to the parables. And this is what he means. Many times repeated images are paralleled in Old Testament and would be common spiritual ideas understood by Jesus' listeners. Okay? Jesus would use things that, because who's he talking to? He's talking to Jews, Galilean Jews, for the most part. And the parables that he was telling oftentimes would have Old Testament references so that they, in their minds, would understand exactly what he's trying to communicate. Let me give you a couple examples. He would use the, the word master. Okay? Judge, king, oftentimes as figures in the parables. What would those master, judge, and king, what would, what would those three things those images parallel with in the minds of his listeners. They would parallel with God, right? Okay, so Jesus would use these words to help his listeners understand that, you know, he may be talking about the unjust judge, but what is he? He's everybody who's hearing him knows he's talking about God. You follow me? Huh? <clears throat> but the good shepherd with the... Okay, and, I, and that's what I'm, I'm. I was just getting to. While the word shepherd, uh, servant, sheep, worker, would refer to who? Followers of Christ. Okay. So, so these 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 images and this this guy I forget his name. Anyway, he he coined this this phrase stock imagery. So as you're as you're reading these parables, you need to look for these key words because we would not always necessarily pick up on that because we don't necessarily live in an Old Testament mindset like they did. So we would we would read the word. Judge, for instance, and we and we what what do we in 21st century America think of? Guy sitting up. Yeah, a guy sitting up on the thing with a gavel and a gown, and you know that's a judge in our thinking. But in to their thinking, immediately they would think of God. So as you as you read parables, you need to kind of keep that in the back of your mind that there are key words and and imagery that Jesus was using that his hearers would know exactly what he was talking about. Okay? <clears throat> Number nine. And this is this one, this one is I have found to be very, very accurate. Uh, keep in mind the ending of the parable. And we talked about this some last week. When <clears throat> When, how many of you know somebody who is a good storyteller? Okay, they're just really, 
really good at it. What do they do? They usually, they usually get you going with some interesting details, right? And, but they, they have this way of just kind of drawing you in. And then what happens at the end? Pow! They drop the hammer at the end. And that's what Jesus did in this, this parable we just read in, in Matthew chapter 18, right? It was the end of the parable where we really get the context or we understand what the parable was really all about. And oftentimes in the parables, what I have found as I've been studying is that this, this number nine is, is really pretty accurate. You really don't always understand the parable until you get to the end. The key to understanding the implication of, the, of, of a parable is often... Well, let me give you another example. In Matthew chapter 13, <clears throat> the parable of the wheats and tares. Okay? It's not till the end of the story that Jesus tells you what, what he what the purpose of the parable is. Who can tell me the, the parable of the wheats and tares in Matthew chapter 13? They'll both be gathered together, but that God will judge. Okay, but God can separate them. Right. See, but, what, but we don't know that until the end, right? See, that, that, is, that is a precious, precious truth that that we need to, as we're reading these parables, that we kind of have to kind of keep all of these things in our mind as we're, as we're reading these. Um, uh, uh, to understand the purpose of parables. Because <clears throat> this last one is also interesting. I think all of them are interesting. But anyway, number 10, be careful with... Uh, allegorical interpretations of parables. <laughs> okay, be careful with this. Because, uh, again, cults have been started <laughs> by doing this. Um, basically, well, let, let, me, let me read you something I, I, I read. In, in, anyway, uh, but throughout church history, um, there have been people that have been trying to find hidden meanings in Jesus' parables. Again, before we even answer this question, let's stop. And who was, who was Jesus' audience again? Galilean Jews. How many of them had college degrees? Probably a few at best. So, so literally, who is he talking to? His, his audience, for the most part, we would say today, would be illiterate. So why would Jesus be burying hidden truths when what he the purpose that we read in, in at the beginning was to to take spiritual truths and bring them down to where people could understand them, right? So he wouldn't be burying hidden treasures in there. Now we may read them and think, "Wow, I never saw that before." That's that's not what this is talking about. Let me read you something I came across and I thought, "What?" Okay, we <laughs> this morning we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Okay, um, so hopefully most of you are. Are you cold? 
<laughs> She's got her thing all the time. I'm like, man, I'm about ready to shed the jacket. Or, uh, man. Um, yeah, I know. Um, but I want to I want to read you something I came across. I was absolutely stunned over this. Uh, a guy. Uh, I, it's called Origins uh, Interpretation of the Good Samaritan. This is what this is what this theologian came up with. <clears throat> he reads several details into the text. The man walking down the road signifies Adam. The priest signifies the law. The Levite signifies the prophets. The donkey signifying the body of Christ and bore our sins. And the Samaritan signifies what Christ did for us. Wow. How did, he, how did you get all that? I was stunned. But that's what people do. They, 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 they take a simple truth and they have to complicate it. And they add and, they, and they, they come up with this allegorical interpretations of these parables when Jesus was just telling a story. It's really pretty simple what he was doing. There is absolutely no basis for this interpretation of origins interpretation. It is much easier to understand that Jesus was just telling us how to be good neighbors. Yeah, they understood it. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's not complicated. It's it's you know, um, Martin Martin Luther uh, called some uh, allegorical interpretations of parables amazing twaddle and altogether useless. <laughs> I, I I just thought I'd throw that out there. I like that a twaddle. I don't. What is a twaddle? <laughs> Anyway, um, needless to say, we, we really just need to just stick with what Jesus said. Okay? He, he's not trying to baffle us or confuse us. He's just he's taking spiritual truths and he's bringing it down to where we can get it. Okay? And that's, that, that's what it is. <clears throat> so, we got a few more minutes. <clears throat> But as you, as you read your Bible and you come across the parables, um, just kind of keep in mind these 10 simple uh, uh, tools that I've given you, hopefully. But I want to kind of take a side note here. Turn over to Luke chapter 16. Yeah, yeah, we didn't plan that. It, God planned it. Luke chapter 16. Verse, just, we're not going to read the whole thing, but can somebody look at verse 19 and just read a 19 and 20 and tell me what this is? No, Luke. Luke chapter 16. Number 19, uh, verse 19. Okay, is rich man and Lazarus. 
Now, <clears throat> there are some theologians that say that the story in verse 19 to 31 is a parable. Is it? Okay. Okay, the, the answer to that, I believe, is no. It's not a parable. Okay? Now, would I, would I argue or die over that issue? No, I wouldn't do that. It's just my opinion. But I actually uh, had lunch with two pastors this week. And as we sat down, I said, hey, guys, I got a question for you. What do you think about the question of, Lazarus and the rich man, is it a parable or is it a true story? And they both agreed with me. It, it is a true story. And I want to I share with you, and I, in closing tonight, I wanted to share this with you. Um, just b- before I share with you the story, can somebody tell me the basic story of Lazarus and the rich man? Not, not in a lot of detail, but the basic story. Yes, sir. Okay, and and then somebody tells me what happens next. Right. Okay. So so there, are, I I came up with five reasons why this is not a parable. Okay, uh, the first one is. The story is never called a parable because many of the parables Jesus identifies as being parables. So it's not identified as that. Uh, we see that in the sower and the seed in Luke 8, um, the, the prosperous farmer in Luke 12, the fig tree uh, in Luke 13, and the wedding feast in Luke 14. So there are several of the parables that are, 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 are identified as parables. Okay. The second thing is what he said And that is that in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, actual names are used. Okay? And that is contrary to every other parable that Jesus teaches. He does not use a, a, I guess you would say, a proper name. Yes? So why do you think that it says rich man? I'm just asking an opinion. Um, My personal opinion is that it would identify that family. And I don't think Jesus really wanted to put that family on the spot. Does that make sense? Yeah. So th- I, that's my opinion. Because the, the family would, you know, his brothers and everything would, would have still been alive. Okay. Um, the, a third reason is the particular story does not seem to fit the definition of a parable. Okay. Uh, which is a presentation of a spiritual truth using an earthly illustration. So he, he, he's not trying to communicate a, a spiritual truth by using earthly applications. The fourth one is that the story of, uh, of Lazarus and the rich man uh, presents uh, truth directly without an earthly metaphor. Okay, and in, in, in all his parables, Jesus would take a, a, a earthly object and then he would use it to illustrate a spiritual truth. 
Somebody give me a, a, an example of that. Okay, the sower and the seed. Okay, the seed being what? The word of God. Okay, some takes root, some doesn't. Somebody give me a, give me another example. How about uh, uh, heaven is like a mustard seed, or our faith is like a mustard seed. So, so Jesus takes earthly objects to communicate to us great truth. Now, we, we say, okay, what, what, are, what does a mustard seed have to do with, with, with faith? How big is a mustard seed? It is it is minuscule. You can you can if you had a mustard seed, you you would have a hard time seeing. It. At least I'd have a hard time seeing it. You know, some of you guys have better eyesight than me, but they they are just teeny tiny little seeds. And he's saying and he's saying, hey, that much faith can move a mountain. So then, what do we do as hearers of this of this truth? Whoa, I, ha- I have no faith. <laughs> you know, it, you see what I'm saying? Okay, so in the story of Lazarus and rich man, there, there are no earthly objects that he uses to illustrate truth. And then the, the, the fifth one is uh, the setting for most of the stories uh, uh, is, um, oh, excuse me, the setting of most of that story is in the afterlife uh, as opposed to the parables which unfold in earthly context. So if uh, Jesus talks about the afterlife, and it, it, he does not talk about the afterlife in any other parable. Okay, So those are the five reasons that I believe that the story of Lazarus and rich man is not a parable. <clears throat> but... In contrast, I would I would be a, a miss if I didn't mention this. In contrast, others maintain that this story is a parable and not an actual real life incident. Uh, their point uh, they point out that Jesus' standard practice was to use parables in his teachings and the stories of Richard, uh, uh, the rich man and Lazarus follow a string of parables in Luke 15 and 16 which that is true, okay? Um, They do not consider the five points that I just gave you as a strong enough argument to warrant classifying the story as a parable. Now, in a practical sense, why is it so important that it's not a parable and it is a real-life story? Brandon? If you start to apply all these points to it, you're going to read way into it. Okay, you're going to read a lot into it. Okay, you're going to miss the point. But why else? In a, in a really practical sense. Yes? You have a chance when you're, in, when you're alive, <clears throat> in your lifetime, mm-hmm. to accept or reject. Mm-hmm. You know, to treat people kindly and to, to obey the law of Moses the way they wanted to, you know. And he didn't. Right. He was not merciful. He was not kind. And yet, when he gets to hell, that's what he expects. He wants mercy and he wants kindness. Right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. Yes. Hold on. Okay. Right. Okay. Good point. Good point. 
He's hiding nothing from anyone with this story. Okay, good point. I hadn't thought about that. You get a you get a gold star. Okay, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I, I'm, I just added a sixth point to my list. <laughs> Okay, there, that is a theological discussion, okay? Sorry. If, no, it's, it's okay. Um, okay, let, let, me, let me see if I can quickly explain this, okay? Lazarus was not in heaven. He was in, he was where? Okay, but where, where, where was Lazarus? He was in paradise. Okay, he was in paradise. And and people think often, and they misunderstand scripture, they think heaven and paradise are the same thing. They're not. Okay? Okay, when Okay, well, let me let me continue to explain here. Okay, it's going to take a minute. Okay, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he tell the thief? Today you'll be with me where? In paradise. He did not say heaven. Okay, okay, just blew your mind. <laughs> All right, overload, boof. Okay, my point, my point is this. The three days, the three days, Larry, you should know this. The three days, I'm going to put Larry on the spot. He went to Bible college, he should know this. Um, the three days that Jesus <clears throat> was off the cross. Okay, he died on the cross. They put him in the grave for three days. What did he do those three days? He descended into hell and he took captive cap, he took captivity captive. So what did he do? He went to hell and he took all the people in paradise because paradise was part of hell. Okay, it was a good part of hell, okay. But it but people couldn't go to heaven until the price had been paid on the cross. So because they were looking forward to that's right. So they couldn't go to heaven until the blood had been shed. So paradise was a part of hell, a holding a holding cell, if you would, a, a nice place. But that's well, that's how the rich man could see Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Okay. Now he was not talking to Lazarus. He was talking to God. Abraham. Or Abraham. Yeah, Abraham. Okay. Okay. So so does that does that kind of help clarify that some? It, yeah, it does a little bit. I mean, cuz it says and in hell he looked at his eyes being in torment. So that I I think that's probably what Jesus was saying. So that I did, yeah, I, I didn't really quite put that together. Okay. Okay. So that that's how that's how that that took place. Cuz see, people before the cross, got saved looking forward to the cross. Okay? Yeah, okay. So they couldn't go to heaven until the cross happened. Once the cross happened, Jesus went and got them all and took them to heaven. 
So everybody who died after that did what? Went to heaven. Now, I have no proof of this, but I kind of think that's where Catholics get purgatory from. Okay, I, I, I don't know, but that's kind of what, what I've always thought. Anyway, anybody else? Yes. Yeah, we thought we were going to be done early. Other than people over-reading or over-looking into this, what gain or loss is there between it being a parable or not that you bring it up? Okay, the reason I bring this up, and I thank you for asking that because I was, I was actually just going to answer that question. The, the reason I brought it up is this. If it is a parable, then it can be explained away. Oh, that's just a story. Hell isn't what? Real. But if it is a true story, then what is it? It's fact. But it's not the only time Jesus speaks. No, it's it's not. But if it's a if it if if it is a parable or an allegory, then it's hell can be explained away. And 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 to me, that's an important element in, in this story <clears throat> because if if Jesus is just telling another parable then his listeners could say oh well that's a good story but it's just a story but the fact that everybody understood it oh, man I like that everybody understood the point and he used proper names and, and everything else and it does not fit into the natural pattern of a parable then it has to be a true story if it is a true story there's going to be a lot of people okay so that's it that's the reason i wanted to bring that up because there are a lot of people today in christendom that that really drive hard at this being a parable okay and that's why i wanted to bring it up because uh, you know, again, I'm not going to fight you over it if you think it is, and that, that's fine. That's you between you and God. But I don't believe it is because I believe Jesus was trying to drive home a very important point: there is a hell, and you don't want to go there. Oh no, 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 no. He no, he talks about it, but it, but this is such a, um, for for lack of better terms, at least for me, it is such a real story. He does a obviously he's God, but he does an incredible job painting a picture that everybody can can grab a hold of. And uh, and and uh, it it should scare us. It should scare us. Yes. I don't know if then they knew of the Lazarus that we have read, but to me it makes it personal hearing the name Lazarus Mm -hmm. because. I, it's not. It, it's yes, not. I know, yeah. But it makes me perk up thinking it's real. Right. There is a real human name. Right. Attach. Right. 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 It's like this. The story we. The story we read this morning. The parable we read this morning, was very realistic and very believable, but it was clearly a parable. Okay. But the events of that happen all the time. So everybody understood that story to be pretty accurate, but it was a parable.
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that's the whole point of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole point. Right, right. Proper names are used, yeah. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, <clears throat> anything else before we go? Hopefully these 10 things are a, a help to you. Uh, understand the nature of the parable. Understand the purpose of the parable. See the parable in its proper context. Remember the culture gap. Uh, know that parables usually have one main point, which everyone that I've ever read uh, has one main point, but the but there's a lot of things we can take out of it, but there's always just one main point. Um, uh, take notice of surprise details. Know that not every minor detail has a significant meaning. Uh, notice stock imagery in the parable. Keep in mind the end of the parable and be careful with uh, allegorical uh, interpretations of parables. So hopefully that's been a help to you uh, as we move forward in our studies and you in your personal studies, because I, th these are all things that have helped me tremendously. So let's pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Lord, we do ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would use this time together tonight to be a blessing and encouragement to us, and, and Lord, help us to, uh, as we uh, encounter the, the parables that you put in Scripture, that they would continue to influence our lives. Help us to draw close to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.